hear we, we have headphones on that let us hear our voices as we talk you don't get to do that on the phone it's really cool yeah it's, i mean most people get weirded out hearing their own voices we get so used to it that we are addicted to it so that's what we're doing um actually we just don't have anything better to do on saturday mornings yes Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else close the... fill up the wall with our English dead. Yeah, we're, I guess we're back to saying it together. Just... Yeah, we need to say it that way. All right. Well, we will fill up this breach, this gap in the wall with our own dead. Or we will... Is it a breach? Um, I think it's a breach. It's translated from Elizabethan. So anybody knows that translations from English to English can cause some weird things to happen. Just look at your Bible. Yep. Yeah. Weird things. Weird. I have one on the shelf here. I can look at it. What? How do you thing. translate the word "thy"? Mm. Thy. Thy. Not thigh. Sure. Not like a the the leg, but like your. Yes. But it doesn't mean your. It's close to your. See what I mean? Yeah, this I is the you. personal wealth coach where we are literally pedantic. I like using those two words together. It's redundant. I like that. It's very good. It's, it's redundant, redundant all over again. And repetitive. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we are the personal wealth coach. Welcome to our program. This is Jake McClure, the other bald guy sitting um, across town from me is Jeff McClure. I'm supposed to say that. Okay, you, you say it. Jeff McClure. Oh, I thought you were going to say the other bald guy part. But uh, okay, so Jeff and Jake McClure, who are related. Uh, Jake McClure is the son of Jeff McClure. And You're Jeff sure McClure is the father of Jake McClure. There's some implied ownership. Um, I honor uh, my father, only when you say it to me, it should be thy father. I do honor you. You are greatly honored. Cool. I pronounce the H. That's how much I honor you. You can say honor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this is the personal wealth coach where we honor each other and we talk about the economy. So what are we going to talk about the economy? We got to have a whole bunch of disclosures before we can talk about the economy. Because if you talk about the economy without disclosures, people will think that you should be listened to or something. I think we're entangled. We are definitely relative. I don't know we're if it's entangled. on the quantum level. We are certainly entangled somehow. I think so. Anyway. So what the personal wealth coach is an SEC registered investment advisor, as well as the name of this talk show. And I know this is weird. We should have a disclosure about the word show on the radio. How do you have a show? How do you show? So this talk show is registered as well through the firm with the SEC. But that doesn't mean that the SEC approves of us or anybody else for that matter. They don't it doesn't approve. mean that this is an SEC-registered talk show. No. We don't register the show except through the firm. They know about the show. Calling it a show still hurts me somehow. Deep down, I'm using well, a word can. incorrectly even though everybody uses it that way. Well, you, the, if there's a talk, there should be a tick before it. So you could have the whole clock thing going on? Yeah. I see what's going on there. It, uh, you, you used to call it a tell. 
so the radio program, even though the firm is registered with the SEC to give investment advice at a fiduciary level, we can't give fiduciary advice on the air. There's violations of privacy. There's uh, not knowing everybody we're talking to, all that good stuff. Although we may know everybody we're talking to out there, AM radio is a shadow of its former self. Now, how do you get a shadow out of AM radio? We'll go under a bridge. That static is the shadow. So AM actually does have shadows. It's just That's a disclosure as well. So next disclosure is yours, sir. Oh, this is educational, not investment advice. It's educational. There right, you go. Right. The, the information we present in this educational radio program could be a program. It is a program. But does it, it make it not a show if it's a program? I don't know. We'll have to delve into that. We can delve. The information we present on this educational radio program or internet program, depending on how you're listening, has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. I love to say that. I get to say deem once a week. And guarantee or warranty or guarantee in the same sentence. Right. right. How often do people get to use those words? We're trying to make them come back, but so far only lawyers are picking us up on that. Uh, all right. So we don't pay for this radio program, show, listen, tell. Is it a tell? I, you used to call it a tell, but it's that would a, indicate we were gambling. Yeah, it could be poker tells. Um, whatever we are on that you can hear but not see that we claim is a show, uh, we don't pay for it. We don't pay Town Square Media. They don't pay us. Now, we do buy advertisements on the radio station for the program, as does Town Square Media. Although they don't actually pay themselves for it, they just use their own time, which seems a little bit weird if you ask me. But we have an ulterior motive. What's that? The name of the radio program is the same as the name of the investment advisory firm. That's right. Therefore, if we say something nice on the radio program, people like it. They would like the investment advisory firm. Yes. So you could see that we have an ulterior motive. And if you think that anybody on the radio doesn't have a motive other than to hear their own voice... Well, you might be right. We do like to hear our own voices. That's another motive that we're on here. We we do like we have here we we have headphones on that let us hear our voices as we talk. You don't get to do that on the phone. It's really cool. Yeah, it's, I mean, most people get weirded out hearing their own voices. We get so used to it that we are addicted to it. So that's what we're doing. Um, Actually, we just don't have anything better to do on Saturday mornings. Yes. Yeah, so we, if you would like to join our conversation with a question. Uh, you can attempt a question on sports, but do not be surprised when the answers fly wildly in the face of reality. However, if you apply your questioning to economics, finance, that sort of thing, we actually have a realm of expertise there. Uh, if you ask us about the Super Bowl, don't be surprised if we give you hockey statistics. We are not experts in that, in that area. But if you'd like to join our conversation, we're doing it through email you can send an email to jeff at tpwc.com or jake at tpwc.com. Now we're going to talk about the markets, but I have to say we have 
two questions hanging out there from John already. So we're going to jump into the markets. What happened this week? Well, we followed the S&P 500 stock index. It's our preferred stock market indicator. And it rose 1.52% during the week, which is a lot. If you multiply that times 52, it comes up with a lot. That's or a bunch. Yeah, is the case maybe. that's all my calculators end with the word a lot on them. I type in the numbers. It comes out to a lot. Yeah. So it closed at another record high, 4509.37. It's just kind of boring, these record highs on Fridays. We we have 50 record highs on the S&P 500 so far this year. Yeah, it's amazing. Nuts. And by the and I, and we wrote this in the newsletter, but I think I didn't see any news articles on it. The Standard Poor's 500 stock index has now risen 101.55% from its bottom in March 2020. It is fully doubled. So if you were thinking about getting out in March of last year, which a lot of people apparently based on our telephone conversation with them were thinking about bailing out of the market because they were scared and they were thinking the world was going to come to an end or something. In the shortest recession we've had in the history of the United States, we did have an official recession that lasted about eight, about uh, less than, it lasted what, two months officially? Less than two months. Less than two months. It was the gap in the middle of be, between these two months. So it covers two months, but not completely. It's a little over a month. What's interesting is in the quarter when we, th- the second quarter when we theoretically had the recession, the GDP actually grew in the United States. And yeah. that's weird. Yeah. It doesn't so make any sense. This recession doesn't follow any rules for previous rules of recessions, but that's okay. The last one didn't either. It's all right. And just for reference sake, and I've had some discussions with people about this, during the second quarter of last year, when our GDP actually rose a little bit, 0.1%, I think, total, the Chinese GDP fell 6.5%. They had a full-blown, knock-them-in-the-teeth, serious recession, which they are not recovered from yet. That's I just correct. i tell you that. That's correct. Anyway. And that's something the, that's not very well covered in in the articles that I see. There's just very, because China's numbers are so suspect most of the time. Wait, I'm going to use the, the newest terminology, the newest slang is so sus. Did you, did you know that's the, see how I, I shortened the word suspect to sus? That makes me cool. No. So, so that makes you that, street, streetwise to know things like that? N- no, it means I'm a dad. This is, this is the terms that are being used by six mm. year olds. So I'm cool now. <laughs> um, anyway, the index has risen 20.06%. That's the S&P year. 500. Yeah. Yes. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. And just, and- I mentioned earlier that uh, we've had 50 records uh, this year. Uh, in years where there are 50 or more records, the S&P 500 generally averages 23%. But there aren't that many of them. So it's kind of hard to say averaging out just a few of them. So just saying this has happened before, this kind of growth rate, this is not unprecedented. It's weird, but it's not unprecedented. Go ahead. That's true. Anyway, the interesting thing is, as you read the headlines, and I was reading the headlines this week a lot and reading the stories this week in the, in the Wall Street Journal and other places, there's all kinds of reasons that come up that keep popping up that the market should be plummeting into the depths. A lot of worry, which is really, really good. And there's an aphorism on Wall Street called bull markets climb a wall of worry. We've credited to John Templeton. He probably didn't come up with it originally, but in honor of John Templeton, who I respect very highly. He he said that he's the first attributable person that said it. He also said something, a deeper quote, one that I prefer even more that is abs- nobody else has said it. 
bull markets mature are, are born on pessimism, mature on optimism, and die on euphoria. Well, I haven't seen any euphoria. I haven't either. I see occasional optimism, but I see as much pessimism as optimism. Maybe more. Maybe a little bit more, which is good. We follow another index for the stock market. Well, it's not the whole stock market, but a piece of the stock market, which is the CRSP mid-cap value index because we happen to like the mid-cap value asset class. It rose 2.5% for the week to close at 2514.42, also a record high, and is up 22.58% year to date. Yay! Corporate earnings keep coming in well above expectations. The CEO's forecasts keep coming in higher than expected. And the companies, as they report their earnings and the CEOs make comments during their earnings calls, they're nearly unanimous in their statements that the logistics mess is holding them back as well as the labor mess, but they believe it will be resolved in the next two years. Right. Those, they, those are key words. There's a, lot, there's a lot of cash trying to buy stuff from them that they don't have to sell, and they think the cash is going to stay there and wait for them to produce it so they can sell it. And my personal experience is that's true. We bought a car last week. Do you have the car yet? No. So we you went to a we went to a lot anyway. We went to the lot where the cars, new cars, are normally set up where we could look at a new car. They didn't have any. Why would they have cars at a car lot? The, what are you thinking? To sell them. They had some used ones, but they didn't have any. They had a few used ones, but they were selling pretty quickly. We got to actually test drive a used one of the same model, and we bought a car we have never seen, never driven. I, I, and, I, and then looking back in time, I think that's ridiculous. But the fact is, it's going on all across the country right now. Right. And in fact, many of the automobile manufacturers are liking this model of purchase better. Uh, the Wall Street Journal a week ago had an article in it about uh, car volume sales and all that good stuff. And during a normal year, when I use air quotes around normal because I don't know what normal means anymore. I don't think we ever knew. We just thought we did. Well, uh, we could say new normal and be cool. Right. And this is the new normal. The pink is the new black or the black is the new pink or the colors are now other colors for some reason. Right. Um, the amount of inventory of cars that just sits on the car lots is a massive drain of money. They have to build a lot of cars, and at the end of the year, they always have these big car sales. Everybody's aware of these things. We've heard them, seen them on TV. Uh, it's not as bad as the ads for like the monster truck rally, Sunday, 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 but it's up there. In fact, you might hear Sunday said three times in a car advertisement at the end of the year to get the cars off the lot. Well, Ford has come out, and General Motors have come out, but Ford has done it officially in saying... Um, we would like to go to the online purchase model that you or you maybe go to our dealership and order it at the dealership and get it in a few weeks. And this is exciting. It's really cool if for the for the manufacturers. If they can do that, it will save them a lot of money. There's financing that takes place at the dealership level. The dealership is not owned by the manufacturer. And so they have to get a big loan to hold the stuff that they have on their lot. Now, they usually have pretty good financing rates, but it's still an expense just to have it. And what's really crazy, it's called a floor loan, and there's no floor in their lot. Exactly. It's called a, because a, 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 you, know, you go inside, you got the floor that people put cars on for some reason. My mom would never let me bring the car on the floor. I don't know. Right. But car dealerships have different mothers, I guess. Anyway, 
what this means is that could be an amazing new way of purchasing. And if it works, that's great. And if there's a percentage of people that do it, that's great. But I've gotten the privilege with a question mark of being able to look at car dealership accounting books when they put big inflatable gorillas on their roofs. Does Get, it help? Yeah. Like 20% improvement in sales. What this says is something that behavioral finance folks have known for a long time. And that, that behavior is that inflatable gorillas increase sales. Yes, obviously. Inflatable obviously. gorillas will increase sales. Free balloons will cause you to buy a $30,000 car. So you should put one on the on Wall Street, on 44 Wall Street, on top of the exchange. We should put an inflatable gorilla. Exactly. So what that means is that car and home purchases, sadly, tend to be impulse decisions. We'll just have to wait and see if you can make an impulse decision to buy a car and then wait the two weeks for the car to be delivered. If that is still an impulse thing, how do you put an inflatable gorilla on your computer, though? Uh, I think I could do it. YouTube? Yeah, you could just... Computers keep getting smaller. It'd be a very small... Very small inflatable gorilla. gorilla. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, back to the market. I just thought that was a nice little thing to throw in there and that this this is a big deal. Well, there's an anomaly going on, but there's always an anomaly going on. The yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasury actually climbed. For three weeks, it had been falling, and it rose 3.65% to 1.307%. Yay! Woo-hoo. I remember when 10-year Treasuries typically were around 6%, and then they were 3%, and we thought that was low. Now they're 1.3, and we think it's much better than it was now. It's remember, better than half a percent what it was just not that long ago. Right. About a year ago. If you bought a 10-year treasury, you get half a percent a year on the investment. By the way, if you bought a 10-year treasury a year ago and you went to sell it today, you get less than you paid for it. That's, That's true. something important to remember. You only have, you have to wait down. 10 years to get the money. But 1.3% is still less than expected inflation during the period, so we still have effectively negative interest rates on treasuries, which is interesting. It's one of those things we talked about this week, too, and it's something that we could go on. We could talk for two hours about why interest rates are so low. It's fascinating. And, and when still, they'll not rise cover, they'll rise. still not cover the, the whole field. Yeah. Now, crude oil behaved very differently this week. Yeah, it was lying around in its barrels. It was, but it jumped. Jumping crude oil, Batman. It jumped 10.31% to $68.67 a barrel, which is in the trading range it's been in. It's no big thing because the because of, because of Ida. Yeah. Not Idaho, mind you. The hurricane. Yes. I think we should be politically correct and say occasionally hemicane. Well, since every other one has a man's name, we should call half of them hemicanes and half of them hurricanes. Or, or I think what we should do is instead of having typhoons on one part of the globe, and hurricanes on the other part of the globe, we should just call them hurricanes and hemicanes. And then they can have all the boy names and we can have all the girl names. Well, the market is a leading economic indicator. It says all is well. All is well. All so, is well and likely to be well for some time. Uh, I'm, New Orleans is getting ready to evacuate for the same reason. but And this is why the price of oil went up. Because people are like, well, yep. may, maybe somebody's going to drive a little more or maybe wait wait well, just actually, think should... there's refining that takes place in the hey is that a refined area there's that, also there's also a lot of oil, offshore oil platforms that normally produce oil that's supply side of things. yeah so the, the stopping production of oil right and that's that's not as big as far as the percentage of demand but it still has an impact it's really though all the refineries that have to shut down 
That's the big thing on because that's going to delay everything. Uh, yeah. And Houston's likely to shut down the refineries because it takes more than turning a switch to turn those things off. It'd be nice if it was just one switch. Just don't let the janitor near that switch. Um, but it takes about a day or two days to shut down a refinery. And if uh, if Ida decides to uh, take a left instead of a right, this has been known to happen. Hurricanes are really bad at following instructions from the the weather service. I don't know why. It's written very clearly with glaringly large uh, bands to pass through. When I'm following Google Maps, I can do a lot better than any hurricane. But uh, what we're saying is that the hurricane may head over to Houston. So Houston's going to have to shut down refineries. Uh, we're also going to have to shut down liquid natural gas export facilities. So you should see oil rising everywhere and the price of energy rising everywhere, including Europe and Russia and so on. So Hey, I wanted to change the subject and say something that I thought fascinating economically. And you have to be an economic geek to really appreciate this. But we're having this labor shortage in the United States, find, trying to find people to work in manufacturing. Trying to, matter of fact, we, thought, we talked to a plumber yesterday because we need some plumbing work done. And he says he couldn't do it because he doesn't have any assistance anymore because he can't find anybody he can hire who wants to crawl under a house after a broken sewer to fix a broken sewer pipe for some reason. I was at the but, car shop two days ago and yesterday. The, I had an appointment at four o'clock two days ago and I showed up for my appointment and they said, no, you made this online. We're going to have to cancel it. And I said, you guys have been sending me texts for the last four hours to make sure I make it to my appointment. What's going on? So we only have two people working here. Yeah. And the we, computer is making these appointments and we can't stop it. Ah, so the computers are taking over. Yeah, the computers anyway, are taking over. <laughs> what I wanted to point out is we're having this problem in the United States and we try to relate it to the government paying $300 a month extra to unemployment and unemployment being too high. By the way, there is apparently so far the states that have cut the unemployment payments have not seen an increase in employment. That's true. It's across the board. By the way, the, the best increase in employment has been seen in states that didn't cut the unemployment payments, which makes no sense, but that's reality. But I wanted to say something that I think is really fascinating. This is going on literally all over the world. The Chinese, right now, we've got a, one of the reasons that the prices are going up and you can't get parts is because Chinese factories are having trouble producing the goods and services, the goods that we order from them that they are contracted to produce. And their reason is that. Let me read this from the Wall Street Journal. Labor shortages are materializing across China as young people shun factory jobs and more migrant workers stay home. Does that, that could be written about the United States? I don't want to work in a factory. So the people, China is already running into a labor shortage just like we are. And if, uh, Europe is running into a labor shortage. So whatever it is that's causing problem with hiring people to do things, low-wage jobs in factories and relatively low-wage jobs in service, is not just in the United States. It's absolutely global. And by the way, if you figure out exactly what's causing it and how to fix it, write it up real, real thoroughly, put a lot of footnotes on it, and you get a Nobel Prize. Yeah. Because nobody can figure this thing out. There's, it's, a, it's there's a, a lot of working hypotheses, but they keep running into brick walls. Like, if you stop whoa, these whoa, whoa. brick walls. A working, a working hypothesis hypothesis running into a brick wall now there is a vision i am mixing Bam. at my job today you're the vague prognosticator i am the mixer of metaphors uh -huh. grandmaster mixer of metaphors 
That's that's what I am. Um, they're having, and they're having. By the way, in, 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 I'm not to interrupt you. Go ahead. You're you're allowed to. You're my dad. They're having the same problem in China. Listen, this is again from the Wall Street Journal. Some migrant workers are worried about catching COVID in cities or factories. Other young people gravitating towards service industry jobs that pay more or less demanding and have air conditioning. Whoa! Why would you could, want air conditioning? I mean, that what is could that? Be written, that could be written. I mean, it's just like China, which we think of as being some alien culture that's completely different from ours, is having exactly the same problem. You could write the same paragraph about labor force in the United States, and it'd be true. And they don't even have unemployment benefits in China. I, I could tell you something else. We can go zoological here. If you give a rat a choice between staying outside on a hot day and performing menial labor for food or sitting in air conditioning performing something that it considers pleasurable for food, which do you think, just hypothesize for me, because we've got actual evidence on this, which do you think it will prefer to do, the air conditioning or the hot? Hey, we'll go for the air conditioning, but, yeah. but we've got a solution to that in the United States. What's that? Hire a lawyer. Hire a lawyer. Lawyers prefer to do demeaning, difficult work under stressful conditions. I didn't think of that. We got to get them in the factories and on the fields. Mm -hmm. You heard that joke about lawyers where the NIMH, National Institutes, of, National Institutes of Health, started hiring a lot of lawyers. You know why? Because the rats wouldn't stand there's still for things, the... There's some, there's some things you just can't get rats to yeah, do. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, any attorneys out there. That's lawyer jokes. Sorry, like not sorry. If you're an attorney, you, you signed up for it. Send in some investment advisor jokes and we'll quote them. Yeah, oh, or economist jokes. There's a lot of those. We can say, oh, yeah. uh, on the other hand, <laughs> uh, if you'd like to contact us off the air, we've got voicemail rating at 947-1111 or 800-914-PLAN. You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com, uh, listen to the radio program in the past, contact us. You can email us, uh, jeff at tpwc.com or jake at tpwc.com. Next hour, I'll finish the joke. <laughs> 